Welcome to another exciting, exciting episode of Confessions of a Rock and Roll Cameraman, the Georgie Jamaican edition. I'm here yeah. with rock and roll cameraman Tony Wanamaker. Thank you, Pat. And Appreciate I am that. the host, Pat Canavan. I forgot to say that off the top of the, of the show. Yep. Uh, but here we are. So, Tony, you never really got to meet Bob Marley. No. But you have an amazing Jamaican Bob Marley adventure. Let's dive into yeah. it. Yeah, the world of Marley, really. The, yeah, the <coughs> whole world Mondo, of Marley. Mondo Marley. Pardon <laughs> <coughs> me. Mondo Marley. Uh, what brought you down to Jamaica? Uh, a, a number of things. I spent better part of the early 80s in Jamaica. And really? it was amazing because you may recall when we, uh, episode one, we talked about that I'd never flown on an airplane until I was an adult. Right. So the year prior, in 1983, Rhonda and I finally went on, our, we delayed our honeymoon. We went to uh, Ocho Rios, Jamaica. I loved it because Ian Fleming was nearby there writing his, his Bond movies. Uh, and that was the first time. Oh, okay. So that was your honeymoon? Yeah. To, was there, Toronto? Ocho Rios, checking it out, loving. I love Jamaican culture. As a matter of fact, I was walking by Kingston, uh, Kingston, uh, Kensington Market, I stand correct, I was walking by Kensington Market, and I heard this, Rasta man, Rasta man, be careful, great song by this, uh, this fellow here, right here, the uh, Lord Melody, and uh, <laughs> that got me intrigued in Jamaican culture, man, and everything just, just stemmed from that album, really. Really? Yeah, man. What an influence. <clears throat> I love how music influences your life, because, yeah. you know, uh, it's, it's really a... A staple part of, of your Huge, career, really. Usually connected to it, man. Six yeah. degrees of separation. Yeah. So you get to fly yeah. down to Jamaica. Yeah. Uh, who did you go with? Well, the first time it was my wife and I, which is a vacation. Yeah, and okay. now I'm going on business, right? So yeah. I'm down there several times. And so I'm going to kind of mash it up, man, to use the, the vernacular. Uh, I, I started going down. So a lot of things started happening for me, right? So I happened to be there. Uh, sadly, I never had a chance to meet Bob Marley, right? Right. He, he passed away of, of skin cancer many years later. Um, however, I was down there and had a chance to meet everybody from Rita Marley, Steel Pulse, Third World, Ziggy, uh, the I3s, uh, Melody Makers. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. So you're, you're down there a couple of times, three, yes. four, five times yeah. in that period. Yeah. For new music, I guess. Well, allow me to tell you the first bit of business. So we talked yeah, okay. that I was there on vacation. So yeah. early days, I'm a junior cameraman. I'm working at City Pulse News, <clears throat> and I'm at the Roy York Hotel. And I'll never forget this because I'm at the coffee urn in the morning. I'm a coffee drinker. I need a boy. And I'm having a coffee, and I meet this lovely gentleman, right? Okay. Yeah, right. Uh, my senior. And we get talking, but I'm astonished, Pat, because he's a white guy with a Jamaican Patois accent. Oh, is he really? And I'm going, That's that is fascinating. I have never heard that. I was stunned because I'm Mr. Naive. I'm right off the county. I have no idea. I thought that's amazing. Wow, okay. We strike up conversation. We really liking each other. Chemistry is fantastic. And then we have to get ready because the meeting's about to start, right, Pat? Okay. And then they call up the Prime Minister of Jamaica, who was that guy I was talking to, <laughs> the no Honorable way. Edward Siega, right? Oh, that's great. Okay. So we hit it off. We hit it off so well. That uh, Mr. and Mrs. Siega were kind enough, and they actually, Liz will get close, they sent me a Christmas card, right, from the Prime Minister's office. Oh, that's terrific. From, from the Prime Minister himself. So, let's go fast track. Now it's 1985, okay? You got that, Liz? Thank you, dear. And uh, 
1985. Okay. I'm back in there with uh, some of the coterie of the new music to uh, film aspects of what they call Jam Fest 85, a youth cultural festival. Well, it's fantastic because I'm invited, man, right, to the prime minister's residence. Mr. Siega remembers our meeting. Right, so you're going down, you get to meet him again. (laughs) So I'm at Val Royale, which is like going to 24 Sussex Drive here in Ottawa, right, to meet our good Prime Minister Trudeau. And uh, so I... (laughs) I'm where I'm a new music guy. I got a mullet. I've got a tricolor earring Jamaican. I've got camouflage pants on. I'm wearing a T-shirt. I don't know. I'm going to the government house. With all due respect, I didn't know that. Daniel shows up. He looks like Rod Stewart. He looks awesome and all dressed in black. Uh, yeah, we look like we're foreigners. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> we show up this gala. We have a great time. Now, the great thing is that uh, uh, Val Royale is at uh, 36 Hope Road. Okay. Okay. And while I'm talking to the prime minister, he says, you know who's just down that road there? And that would be 56 Hope Road. And I go, who's that? And he says, Bob Marley's place, the Tough Gong Studios, man. I went, what? That close to the prime minister's house? Yes, ostensibly we're, and we'll talk about Georgie, his backyard. I think technically it connects to the prime minister's ground, which is unique. That is unique to have, to have like a huge music source that close to the government halls of the country. Well, and then you set a point, you know, and that is huge influence. What does that mean? Well, every West Indian island is competing for tourist dollars. Oh, for sure. So when you have bankable commodity like the Marley's, okay, with the best reggae music in the world and Rocksteady and all that started from where the humble beginnings of where Bob Marley starts, and we'll talk about Trenchtown in a second. So take a step forward. Wow, here we are. Cultural ambassadors, the Marley family, putting it out there. It's amazing. It's it's like Ireland. You, you think of the size of the country and the population, but everybody knows where Ireland is and everybody knows where Jamaica is. Oh, right? yeah. They're yeah. just so culturally impactful. Yeah, and one is known for its whiskey and the other is known <laughs> for, for its, its rum. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Appleton rum. It is good, man. Yeah. <laughs> it is true. Jamaicans do make fine rum. They do. But they also make something else. They make And we'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> oh, yes. So this is great. So you get to go down to... Uh, yeah, Jamaica again. So I'm there in 85, 86, 87. I think 88 as well. But it was really cool because in 85, a couple of things happened. Okay. And one of the cool things was I was invited because I remember with Jamie Mandekel awesome associate producer from New Music at the time. Yeah. I'm um, also with Peter Lynch again from Video Culture and his posse. And I think there's a guy, Alan Winters, who was a tech guy. The reason I tell you this is that we had a powwow. And I vaguely remember this meeting, but it was like, hey, man, we're going to go into Trenchtown, you know. And Trenchtown is ostensibly a, a, such a pejorative term, but it is what it is. It's a ghetto now, right? At one time, it was this. At that point, yeah. They thought it was this lovely place, government housing. It's going to work. Well, it didn't. And it became a scary place. And it became a, 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 a place of refuge for certain people, like Bob Marley. Because Bob Marley believed in his music, Pat, and he wasn't making any coin. No. And when you're walking around saying, I got a song on my head, and you got nowhere to live, people really don't know if you're on the level. There was one guy named Georgie. And Georgie made the cornmeal porridge, man, that sustained everybody. It's a cheap meal. It's, it's, it's a baseline food. Uh, and he was making that and allowing uh, Bob Marley uh, to stay there. Additionally, there's a guy named Vincent Ford. And Vincent ran sort of a soup kitchen in this area, right? Okay. So it was amazing. So that's a bit of the history. Why I'm telling you that, I get a chance to go to Trenchtown, man. 
Ooh, what was that like? Now, because you, and I'm going to be delicate here because yeah. I don't want to be indelicate because I just want to say there's not many gringos who go to Trench Town. Well, yeah. Okay, if, if you folks know what I'm saying. So that being said, I'm there on the invite of Massive Dread, who happens to be a gangster. Okay, and he runs some of the yards in Trench Town. This kind of almost sounds like a, <laughs> crazy. an encampment prison. But it's not. Crazy weird. And you'll right. appreciate it. So this guy is hardcore and he lives a, night, a, a, a life like the Jets versus the Sharks. Okay? Oh. Okay? And this is nice ropes and guns and whatever else they use, but he controls power now. But he's an ambassador, cultural ambassador, because he wants to enrich the people in his community. He's in charge. He's worked hard to get there. And the guy's amazing. He's a short guy, probably about the same height as me, Gretz, and it looks like I've never seen a checkerboard stomach like that and piano wires for, for moving around in, as, as ligature in his arms. It's amazing. He's so strong. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's almost like an impromptu natural mayor. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. You know, yep. like, okay, who's yeah. the mayor? Yeah. Well, we're not going to vote because it's this guy. And he was also a good friend of Island Records uh, chief, Chris Blackwell. And Chris Blackwell, as you know, signed Bob Marley the Whalers. So yeah. these guys are connected. Yes. Just because of life and music. And music. Oh, big time. Yeah. So so he becomes so massive dread. You go into Trenchtown. Oh, yeah. I go into Trenchtown. I go into Trenchtown in a convoy. I have to be lying in the back seat, lying down so I'm not shot. And the guy driving me shows me he's carrying a 38 snub nose. <clears throat> That's my protection. And he said, and you'll understand this, when I get to the yard, and the yard's more like any backyard, but imagine the yard. The yard represents a region, okay? And there's fencing all around it, and that's its own private enclave, okay? So he just said, don't be sticking your white face up, against, up above the fence, ever. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Right. So I stayed in the yard, but what I did was amazing. So working with Video Culture Festival, and again, Pat, 1985, and you, you can underscore the technology here. So I'm videotaping in the day. These kids... We're preparing like it was Canada's Got Talent show. They had been working on this for weeks, whatever it was, maybe a little song, a little dance, whatever it was, it was beautiful, endearing, and I cried every time I shot it. Really? It was amazing. That's, that's The children terrific. were also intrigued, Pat, that there was a cameraman there of my complexion that they had to come up wearing shorts and touch just to be, you really, that, you? <laughs> right. So that happened. At night is when it really came together for me because my friends put up a large projection screen, 1985, Okay. I'm filming yeah. composite signal, three-quarter inch video. I got it, but we can put it on that and play it. So at night at our tropical drive-in, right, it's amazing. You see these images, these kids. They have never seen themselves projected on TV before, right? It's fantastic. It is the most humane thing I've done. It's fantastic. And what I noticed in that noir image, illustration, everybody was black and white. Yeah. Think oh, about it. Oh, that's really cool. Think about it. The other thing that that just tweaks my uh, imagination is how you guys showed them themselves. Yes, digitally, yes. Yeah. right? In, in a way that that nobody could have ever done that before. Yeah, think right? about the immediate feedback. The immediate feedback never the, happens. Exactly, never happens. You know, today we do it all the time. We don't even think yeah. about. It. It's 80? a match. That was unbelievable. That was like me saying, uh, "Yeah, it was 1980. We went to Mars." Well, it's like them coming up to you and saying, yeah. oh, my God, I've never actually touched a white person before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. So it's crazy. So now I have a chance 
that I'm in Trenchtown to really feel what it was like. This is the place, right, where rock steady, where reggae was invented. Here it is. This is yeah. the place, right? Yeah. That, that, and you're under the the protection of massive tread. Which is pretty cool, right? That's actually Jesus. a quick quick aside where I was uh, grabbed a cab one night and uh, the cab didn't go where I wanted. The cab went to a gas station oh, and pulled boy. me over. And some big guys came out. Yeah. This big mummy walks up to the car. Lo and behold, I just said, I knew I was in trouble. I was going to be carjacked. I'm going to be robbed. And I just said, hey, uh, I'm with Massive Dread. I just hope you know. And they're expecting me at a hotel in about half an hour. You guys can deal with it. Are we cool? Suddenly, the lady nods to everybody. And the cab driver comes back, gets in the car. The people leave. And I go home. I didn't tip him. <laughs> yeah. No way. Yeah. Well, I had a tip for him. <laughs> Don't fuck with me. <laughs> so That's that was crazy. me in Trenchtown. But now, a year later, Pat, a couple things have happened. Uh, first one was I was at the National Stadium. There was going to be an unveiling of a Bob Marley statue. Okay. So it's beautiful. You see him, dreadlocks, Les Paul guitar playing, right? Mm -hmm. He's coming of age. Ziggy Marley, his son, is uncanny resemblance to his dad. Yeah. Right? And he sings No Woman, No Cry. And I could hear a pin drop in the middle of Kingston, Jamaica. People were, I, you know, this was the incarnate of Bob Marley singing or something magical was happening because we were all transfixed, okay? Beautiful. Next year, I'm back again. This time, I'm at Tough Gong Studios. And it's really cool because Tough Gong Studios, Tough Gong, by the way, is the nickname for Bob Marley, okay? Oh, okay. So okay? That's, 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 I didn't know that. That's his street name, Tough Gong. He's a tough guy, right? Oh, okay. Tough Gong. And so... Here is in the studio, and what's really cool, when you come into the compound, there's that Nay house, right, which is a turn-of-century classic West Indian tropical house, right? And to my left, I recall, would be this elongated structure, and that's where they're actually pressing vinyl. They are making, that's, I bought this record there, man. They're pressing these things right oh. there. This is it right here. They're pressing that stuff. Oh, that's right? cool. So right. Right, at, right at his house, okay, and in the back, Remember I mentioned Georgie? Yes. Georgie, because he helped Bob Marley when nobody would pay attention to this guy. Sure. Okay? He gave him now the rest of his life. He's, he's with the family. He's this patriarchal character. And what his role, I really think it is, because, you know, all popular bands have entourage. Yeah. Everybody kind of has a job. Elvis, the Memphis Mafia, for example, right? So in this tropical mafia not really but in this tropical group uh georgie had that elder statesman role and he connected him always reminded of the roots you're never that far away remember we always say here in canada you're two paychecks away from being on the street be nice to people yes it's that kind of notion well and mm. the great thing about georgie mm. is he is sort of their the spiritual leader he's the caretaker and he you know coming from your story because of yeah. course i've never really met the man uh, but yeah, he's the caretaker. And what's awesome is that that group honor the elder people who took care of them, you know? Our society's kind of lost that. And I don't really want to get into that right now, no. but uh, we, we really have lost that. But it's great to see that they've honored him in such a way that they keep him part of that family. That, that was incredible, and, and, and his name is George Headley Robinson, and a lot of people don't know that. They just know him as Georgie. The, uh, okay, right? George Headley Robinson. Yeah, and I'll why I that. tell you that, because I just want to honor the man, because he was eulogized in a Bob Marley song, No Woman, No Cry. And I'll tell you specifically where it says in that song, because don't forget, imagine a musician 
gives you the coveted honor of writing your name, your character in one of their songs because it makes a difference. And that's a hugely popular song. And people always hear Georgie. Well, I'm working with Georgie now because Georgie lives at the back. It looks like a set from Survivor, right? Oh, really? And you're back there and you think it's tribal council, but it's not. This is going to be a meet and greet with Georgie, right? Okay. And it's unbelievable. So he's, he's posted back there. But... In the song, it says this verbatim. It says, I remember when we used to sit in a government yard in Trenchtown. And then Georgie would make the fire lights, I say, a logwood burning uh, through the night. And then you'd listen for a while. And this is really cool. And then Rita Marley and the eye trees come in. And they sing, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. And amazing. Right, and here <laughs> is the physical representation of that freaking song. Okay, now I'll, I'm going to get to the punchline a little bit later, but I'm going to tell you the preamble getting there. So I'm in Tough Gong, and I'm interviewing a couple of guys right off the bat. If you look at some of the film footage, you'll see Bob Marley playing football. No, no. It's soccer, but it's football in the West Indies and most other nations. But, yeah. yeah, in the entire world, <laughs> except for North America, it's, it's football. football. It's footy. So he's seen my player. So we put a red, red uh, convertible there. It may seem to make sense. And I want to get these fellows right because they're from the band Third World. And they had a nice little song at the time. I remember dancing all the time. Love you with a sense of purpose. Really cute song. And so I was with William Bunny Ruggs Clark. I was with Stephen Catcor. I was also with Michael Ebel Cooper. And so we got them in, right, into the into the sedan. And okay. Michael Williams, love you, Michael. You're on the other side. Michael's trying to curry favor with this guy, so this is what he's going to do next, right? Yeah, because so, you're in Rome, and you're, you're basically there to shoot them for... Yeah, yeah. So uh, we get everybody set up, <laughs> and then one of the band members from Third World pulls out, pulls out a blunt, right? A marijuana cigarette, a blunt <laughs> the size of a child's forearm, okay? And I just went, wow, okay, that's amazing. And Michael and I think it's going to be really creative that I'm on the driver's side, he's on the passenger side, and we're going to shoot them this way. The problem is, <laughs> I'm getting whacked from the secondhand smoke immediately. Hiroshima clouds, right? You're kidding. The I'm famous fine. sort of Jamaican Bob Marley hemp is... is and Making its way into We your are mind. smoking ganja. Yeah. And Jamaican ganja. Ganja is really the word for Jamaican weed. Right. We are smoking high THC levels. So well, I'm you're not, not even smoking I'm, it. You're just you're just secondhand yeah. getting it in because yeah. I know you. You 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 don't press the camera button when you're uh, not when I'm toasting. No, not when I'm toasting. And the next thing you know, I can't like I'm getting enveloped by the smoke. And what's happening now? Michael Stone too now. Uh, we're all stoned, <laughs> right? And the band's stoned. <laughs> Do you guys so we're, we're off sync now. So no word of a lie. When I go down like this to shoot, Michael is gone over here somewhere. And I come back up. He's gone. So we can't even coordinate. It falls apart. It's over. It's oh, not wow. happening. John that's Martin crazy. walks in, right? John Martin's been watching with Rita on the side. He walks into the dark and he says, yeah, that's it for now, Tony. Uh, Michael, uh, we'll try to pick it up later. We're never going to pick it up, right? And Michael, uh, Michael, John splits to go get another red stripe, right? And Rita goes, well, come on, Tony, I'll take you for a walk around. I'll show you the compound. So I went with Rita Marley to have a look at Tough Gun. Oh, Jesus. So what while an, I'm walking. What an amazing advice. I just want to let that <laughs> soak in for a minute. It's a pretty big deal. That is a big yeah. deal. 
And here in Timothy White's book, this is this is the Bible when you want to know about the Marley family. The Catch a Fire, it's amazing. Catch a Fire, okay. And in this book, I was reading because I always like enrich. If I know experience come out, I get the book that resonates with, and I read it, and I know more about the folks, and it's fun. But sky high. Okay, he took me around with uh, Rita because he's a bodyguard, right? And he'll show you this suture where the bullet went through his his mouth, because uh, Bob Marley's an attempt to uh, assassinate him in '75. And ironically, when they were playing, uh, was it uh, I shot the sheriff? And gangsters came in and started firing. They shot Rita Marley in the face, oh, uh, in God. the head, right in that parking lot. We were doing that interview, and uh, they shot Marley, grazed him, and all this happened. It was unbelievable. They survived it, and this guy here took a bullet for the boss. Really? Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of neat to be in, in his presence. So they get tired of me because I'm just drifting and enjoying life too much. And they go, right. ooh, tranquil guy. And they're used to what, what's going on in the air. And, <laughs> and you're just right. not. So they say, okay, well, you've, you're you doing fine. Find a way around. And so I did. So I hear the band playing. I hear this band playing. And I immediately march over there. And it's amazing. So classic. It's, it's an open air garage, corrugated steel roof. Yeah. And in there... He's Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers, okay? So oh, that's really? all the Marley kids. Yeah, right? it's all the Marley kids. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, it's so cool that, <clears throat> that the family is so musical and how it had, it's actually kept them together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? And they were youthful, right? And no question. But they were working on a song for uh, the, their new album called Conscious Party, and they had uh, Tomorrow People, which is a huge hit. And they end up, I was watching them a year later, they win a Grammy, the best reggae album. Wow, and you see yeah. Them practicing. So Ziggy picks up that I'm also off, uh, obviously in an enlightened state, that the uh, endocannabinoids are kicking in, a.k.a. I have the munchies. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that being said, he goes, hey, he shows me how to procure it. There's a beautiful mango tree nearby. And so I, I think I'm in a sad state watching them play, and I'm... <laughs> <laughs> right, and and they're just going. Ah, he's he's just enjoying him. Don't You're worry about that. Just guzzling back the mango and listening to music. Don't worry, he's a cameraman for new music. Don't worry about him. Right. <laughs> so that transpires. Amazing to see that. Yeah. Like that afternoon. Oh yeah. Yeah. You you, you couldn't buy an afternoon like that from a travel agent. Oh, nice. You really can't. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not that there are travel agents anymore, <laughs> but back then, yeah. like, you know, you just couldn't. That's, yeah. I'm in awe of that time for you. Uh, it was amazing. Great. And it wasn't over because it, now, you know, the uh, orange hues of the day have fallen away to yeah. the purple hues of the nighttime. Sure. And here I'm on the Survivor set, right? And you can see the constellations through some of the jungle cleavage, right? And see what's happening, right? And uh, lo and behold, man, um, <laughs> there's a fire. And there's a number of logs set up, like it's a lovely little campsite, right? And uh, there's a couple of guys from Steel Pulse there, another reggae band. The Third World guys have kind of shown themselves up. There's Ziggy's back there. Okay. And we're going to, it's like, and Georgie comes out of a hut, like Yoda, man, right? <laughs> and I've been imbibing. I'm really whacked now because it's wild. You know, I'm in the jungle. I'm with these guys, beautiful, huge Rastas. Right, yeah. it's things are purple and orange, and smoke is great, and I'm whacked, and I'm feeling great. Well, and you're in the pulse beat, <laughs> heartbeat of the Jamaican culture. And then a guy that looked not unlike this, right, bald head, beautiful <laughs> dreads, and he comes up with a blunt, and he sticks it right in my face, right, and it's like, oh, 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 so. Now it's taken on a sort of a spiritual level for me, man. Like I'm connecting. I'm really feeling I'm connecting 
to, if you will, uh, 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 Bob Marley, man, through the, his his through Georgie, right? Right. Yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of a transcendental, weird, physical thing for me, all happening at once. Well, so I guess it, you would liken it to like a spiritual moment or a oh. an event. Yeah. You know, and well, and he's your sort of. Well, not priest, a, but he's my—he's avatar, maybe. Yeah, he's Marty's avatar, and yeah. I'm feeling all this happen. Oh, you know it's what? Amazing. It reminds me of, of of like the the Native North American culture with with a peace pipe. Oh, that's that's exactly it. That's exactly it. because let's talk about it. Bob Marley was a Rastafarian. Yeah, that is in fact a religion. It is. And people smoke ganja and Rastafarians not as a gateway to heroin. It's a gateway to enlightenment. To enlightenment, yeah. And don't forget, they understand it. They believe in the Judeo-Christian God. So they thought for a while, and some of them still believe, some Rastafarians, or rightly so, that Emperor Haile Selassie, who sadly was assassinated, Ethiopian emperor, was the second coming of Christ. He was the black messiah, okay? So when they say Jah, they're referring to Judah, right? And the dreads are supposed to represent, right here, the dreads over here, Elizabeth, I'll show you that, my friend. The Lion of Judah. Oh, okay. So, you know, a lot of folks, when they think Jamaica, they think, oh, we get high, listen to reggae. I, hey, absolutely. I've been on the beach. I love it. It's great fun. But on another note, it's a religion that needs to be respected as well. Sure. Because here in this country, we woke up, and then, what is it, November 2018, and Elizabeth, you indulge me and, and showed me that. We legalized marijuana. Now, for a lot of folks, Pat, this is medicinal. This isn't yeah. I spent all day tripping out and, and like, you know, like <laughs> these negative stereotypes, right? Where to help sell alcohol. We all know that. We've all watched Reefer Madness, the movie. Here we are today. No, this is okay. This is actually a good thing. And because of that now, because uh, it's legal, we can do more research and find more benefits about the medicinal benefits of marijuana. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? So. And, I'm, <clears throat> and I'm all for that. And, yeah. uh, you know, I actually... Think that's better for you than alcohol? Oh, I'm with Pat 100. percent You know, so St I state I, that. But <laughs> <clears throat> so a couple of things I just wanted to wrap up with you, my friend, and that is yeah. the song "No Woman No Cry." And a lot of people, Pat, when they hear it, think, "Oh my goodness, sad song of a woman crying, upset." But it wasn't. It's the empowerment of women. Yes. No woman no cry mean woman no cry in Trenchtown because they're strong. Because they're impoverished, it happens. And think about it, Bob Marley, everybody else is going, raise your hand if you want to jam and fat. He's talking about real conditions in a real uh, uh, community. Yeah, okay? and he's able to take the culture that everybody's listening to uh, or everybody's <clears throat> entrenched in yes. and put it into a consciousness album, put it into a way of Perfect. thinking and being. Right, expressing yep. Yep. his source. I, I, I liken that my music to that as well because it's it's not all party music. It's what I write is about consciousness. Oh, it's okay to objectify, to think about yeah. something, to break it down, and and, and and that's part of the arts. And sorry about that. that's part of what we do in the arts is we we distill things to singularities and feed back to people. Yeah, and say this is my interpretation. So that's cool. But I want to tell you. So in this uh, "No Woman No Cry" song. Uh, I did get a quote in 2012, and it was told in the New Music Express by Aston Family Man Barrel, who was one of the whalers. I worked with one of the whalers a long time. Leroy Sibbles did a lot of stuff, a bass player. Okay. He's really great. So Sweet. he said, quote, the song is about the strength of the mama, of course. Strength in the ladies. 
And we love a woman with a backbone, something like a wishbone. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Austin. That was pretty cool. But um, we lost, uh, sadly, we lost uh, Georgie. And Georgie passed away uh, just last year, as a matter of fact. Oh, really? Right. And uh, he passed away in October. And I love this. Sidella Marley, who was one of the original melody makers, her brother, Ziggy, was a front person. Sure. Uh, she posted this on Instagram. It was really quite, uh, quite wonderful. She said, quote, We lost our Georgie who kept the fire, burning all through the night. Rest well, Georgie. Fly away home. Beautiful. Thank you, Sidella. Nice. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah. again, rock and roll crossroads, a number of meetings, and it's like, Thank you, Marley family. Allow me in your lives. Allow me to explore that. And Georgie, amazing. I connected with the song. Connected, I guess, by Avatar with, with Bob Marley. I mean, Crossroads. I delve into a lot in the book. Um, these are some highlights. Yeah, they really are. Tony, thanks again for sharing these uh, stories and experiences. Uh, like I said, you, you can't buy an experience, you know? <laughs> you can only live it. And, um, and I had to write about it so I could understand it. Yeah. It was yeah. crazy wonderful. And the book makes some sense of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to say thank you to our community. Thanks for tuning in. Please uh, sign up to our website. You'll get the medley of the 80s novelette done by our man, Tony Wanamaker. Thank you, Pat. And also uh, great deals. Uh, when the book comes out, you'll be the first to know. So thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you next time on Confessions of a Rock and Roll Cameraman.